The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with a big deal in the financial industry. Capital One Financial is buying Discover Financial Services. We get the details from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. It's an all-stock deal valued at $35.3 billion, and it creates the largest U.S. credit card company by loan volume. Historically, Capital One is catered to subprime customers who carry a balance on their cards each month. In recent years, the bank's been trying to attract premium customers. Discover is long focused on prime customers with better credit ratings. This deal comes after major declines in Discover shares during the second half of last year. It followed a warning on lapses in compliance. The issue ultimately led to the resignation of then-CEO Roger Hochschild. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Radio. Okay, Doug, thank you. Checking shares of both companies, Discover Financial shares are up more than 11% this morning. Capital One is down more than 5.5%. And the financial industry is also in focus in Europe. Shares of Barclays up more than 4%. The British bank is going on a major cost-cutting drive and returning billions to shareholders. We get more from Bloomberg Financial reporter Tom Metcalf. The big number is £10 billion, both by dividends and buybacks, and that's coming through, um, I think, between 2024 and 2026. So, yeah, that is a nice focus on returns, and obviously they're sort of very much embracing that. The other thing is is really relation to the investor bank. That's, in many people view, why the shares might be a bit depressed, just because it takes up something like 63% of, of risk-weighted assets for the whole group. And what the Barclays sent today, as expected, we're going to see that reduced down, or we're going to try and make that reduced down to about 50%, and that's not by necessarily cutting the investment bank, but that's by really focusing on the retail side of things. Bloomberg Financial reporter Tom Metcalf says Barclays is also overhauling its operations and reorganizing into five new divisions. Those will consist of its UK retail bank, a UK corporate bank, a private bank and wealth management arm, an investment banking division, and a U.S. consumer bank. Well, we also have earnings out of the Asia-Pacific today, Amy. Shares of BHP are down about 2%. First half net income plunged 86% from the year before, after oversupply in the nickel market forced the world's biggest miner to write down the value of key assets. We talked about the results with CEO Mike Henry. Balance sheet remains strong with net debt at $12.6 billion. And all of that is, has allowed us to declare an interim dividend of 72 US cents uh, uh, per share. Now, yes, we have had a couple of uh, exceptionals, including in our nickel business. Now, as a, by way of a bit of context, the nickel business is the smallest by, by some margin business within the BHP portfolio. And beyond nickel, BHP CEO Mike Henry says iron ore remains the company's most important revenue earner. Prices for steelmaking material surged 28% over the reporting period and remain historically high, and that's prompting major producers like BHP to consider development of once-stranded deposits. 
Back here in the U.S., earnings season is nearing an end, but it's not over yet. This week's big focus comes tomorrow when high-flying chipmaker NVIDIA releases results. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet says it'll put a big spotlight on artificial intelligence. The stock is up almost 50 percent this year. Sarah Hunt, chief market strategist at Alpine Woods Capital Management, says there's a lot riding on this report. This is the big question. Yes, this is great technology. Can you monetize it? NVIDIA is the poster child for that because it's the demand for those chips that's fueling everybody's usage of all of this. If they have any kind of wobble that anyone can say, well, maybe this isn't as fast and as quick as we thought it was going to be, I think that the whole story comes into question. Its lofty valuation means there's little room for disappointment. In New York, Charlie Pellet. Bloomberg Radio. All right, Charlie, thank you. Let's turn to geopolitics now, starting with developments in the Middle East. The U.S. is preparing to warn Israel not to attack the southern Gaza city of Rafah. This is coming in a draft text, and we get the details from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. This is a U.N. Security Council resolution warning against a Rafah assault, as well as calling for a temporary ceasefire. The resolution would say that an offensive would result in further harm to civilians and further displacement, including potentially into neighboring countries. The draft says that could have serious implications for regional peace and security. Up to now, the U.S. has been reluctant to back ceasefire proposals and stood strong with Israel. But now apparent Biden administration frustration with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who says he plans to go ahead with the assault if hostages aren't returned by Ramadan. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right. Thank you, Ed. And we should note that Ramadan starts in roughly three weeks on March 11th. Meantime, Russia's war in Ukraine goes on. And this morning, the Ukrainian Air Force says it shut down all 23 drones and missiles fired from Russia overnight. A regional governor says three people were hurt. The war continues without fresh assistance from the U.S. And now President Biden says he is willing to meet with House Speaker Mike Johnson to discuss stalled aid for Ukraine and Israel. He says the death of jailed Russian Opposition leader Alexei Navalny adds to the urgency of the moment. The way they're walking away from the threat of Russia, the way they're walking away from NATO, the way they're walking away from meeting our obligations is just shocking. I've been for a while. I've never seen anything like it. President Biden says he's considering new sanctions on Russia over the death of Alexei Navalny. But with sanctions already on Russia over the war, it's not clear how much more the U.S. can do. And Russian President Putin may be violating U.N. sanctions with his latest move to boost ties with North Korea. According to state media, Putin gave North Korean leader Kim Jong-un a brand new car. A Kremlin spokesman says it's an Oris. It's a Russian-made alternative to Mercedes. Luxury vehicles are on the U.N. Security Council's list of banned items for export to North Korea. But there's little the council can currently do to punish Putin. And in China, the weak property market remains a major concern for authorities. And now China is ramping up support for the property sector with one of its biggest rate cuts ever. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Chinese banks cut the five-year loan prime rate by 25 basis points to 3.95 percent. It was the first cut in the rate in eight months and the biggest ever. The one-year rate was maintained at 3.45 percent. Now, the move on the five-year raises expectations of more aggressive measures in the coming months. The lower rate will allow more cities in China to reduce the minimum mortgage rates for home buyers. Although we have to say the reaction in the markets today was underwhelming. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. 
right, now it's time to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Former President Donald Trump is now comparing the sudden death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny to his own political problems. According to Trump, Navalny's death has, quote, made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country and that rigged elections and grossly unfair courtroom decisions are destroying America. Presidential rival Nikki Haley jumped on Trump for refusing to condemn Vladimir Putin. I don't know why he keeps getting weak in the knees when it comes to Russia. But I'll tell you what, Russia's not getting weak in the knees. Haley spoke on the campaign trail in Camden, South Carolina. President Joe Biden is said to have raised $42 million for his re-election campaign and the Democratic Party in January. The president now heads to the West Coast for events with deep-pocketed donors. Biden's campaign says the president ended January with a $130 million war chest for his re-election effort. Nearly the entire California coastline is under flood advisories, affecting about 37 million people. Days of heavy rain in the drought-stricken state has left the soil saturated, causing the risk of dangerous flash flooding. In the Bay Area, the rain washed out part of Highway 84 in Alameda County, causing traffic delays. Caltrans spokesman Bart Nate. The pavement slips down. Right, or, or, or becomes unnavigable, so we can't have people driving on it. Residents of San Francisco say they are afraid for the homeless because of the flooding. Supporters of a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas held a rally in Patterson, New Jersey. One of the attendees included Reverend Barry Graham, pastor at Canaan Baptist Church of Patterson. We see the death. We see the destruction. We see little children being carried out. And I can't understand how anyone of good faith could stand and not be convicted by what they see. Other attendees said the U.S. cannot remain complicit. The anger from the New York Archdiocese continues over the funeral of a transgender community leader at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. The Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York condemned Thursday's funeral of Cecilia Gentili. Tintilli, who was 52, was known as a leading advocate for other transgender people as well as sex workers and people with HIV. Her funeral drew hundreds of enthusiastic people to the church. Kathy Renna, communications director for the National LGBTQ Task Force, told ABC7 it was more celebratory than we normally see in a Catholic church, and actually it was kind of refreshing. I think when one of the eulogists, you know, used the word for um, for prostitute in Spanish. And I, I looked at the person sitting next to me and said, wait till they translate that. However, in a written statement, the pastor of St. Patrick's, the Reverend Enrique Salvo, said they had no idea our welcome and prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashar. Thanks, Nathan. Jacques Vaughn joined the Brooklyn Nets as an assistant back in 2016. Four years later, the Nets fired Kenny Atkinson. Vaughn filled in. Steve Nash was then brought in as coach, and Vaughn went back to being an assistant. And then early 2022, Nash got fired 
Vaughn returned as head coach. Held the job until yesterday. Fired with the Nets 21-33. and Their most recent game was a loss in Boston by 50 points. Assistant Kevin Ollie takes over. He coached UConn in the National Championship a decade ago. In Tampa, full Yankee team workout, including the prize offseason pickup, Juan Soto. He's only signed for this upcoming season. For me, I'm just focusing on 24. Uh, I'm here to play baseball. Um, I'm focusing on playing this year and try to win as much as we can and, and bring a championship to New York. Yankee GM Brian Cashman recently admitted the odds are this is a one-year situation. But for now, Aaron Judge will have another star joining him in the lineup. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's uh, he's a generational talent. You know, we gave up quite a few, you know, special pitchers uh, in the package, but... I think everybody, everybody in Pinstripes is looking forward to having Juan Soto, Grissom, you know, Verdugo, all those guys, you know, in Pinstripes. So it's going to be a, a fun year. Also from baseball, Red Sox signed reliever Liam Hendricks for two years. He may not pitch much, if at all, this season due to Tommy John surgery. The Giants signed 37-year-old Pablo Sandoval for if he makes the team a third stint in San Francisco, part of three World Series championship teams, Series MVP back in 2012. Sandoval hasn't played in the majors since 2021. The Lerner family has owned the Washington Nationals since 06. Two years ago, they put the team on the market. Now they're taking them off. William Byron won the rain-delayed Daytona 500. Hockey, the Bruins beat Dallas 4-3 to shoot out the Stars at the Garden. Tonight, they'll play the Rangers. who have won seven in a row. Minnesota beat Vancouver with a football-like score of 10-7. The Wild scored seven goals in the third period. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This This is is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager on a morning where we have two big stories in the financial sector. Capital One is buying Discover Financial in a $35 billion all-stock deal that will create a credit card juggernaut. And Barclays is embarking on a major cost-cutting drive with a goal to return at least $12 billion to shareholders in the U.K. lender. For more on these stories, we're joined by Bloomberg's Charlie Wells. And, Charlie, let's start off with this Capital One Discover deal. What is the goal here for both these companies to engage in this massive tie-up? Well, the goal here really is to compete. I mean, you know, there have been such intense credit card wars in the United States over the past few years. And what really happens here is Capital One gets size. They get size and they get the technology that comes from Discover. So what is so unique about Discover is that they have their own payment networks. And that is something that is actually very enviable for a lot of credit card companies because it gives them a lot of control over how much they can charge merchants. Now, what's also interesting about Discover and what is really attractive for Capital One, we know that Capital One has been trying to get more prime borrowers over the past few years. And finally, with Discover, they're getting a huge tranche of those prime Discover borrowers. That's a really interesting point, because in their history, Capital One and Discover have both catered to a very different type of customer, haven't they? 
That's exactly right. And look, Capital One, largely subprime. These are the sorts of borrowers who tend to have balances you know, on their books at the end of the statement period. Over the past few years, you, we've really seen a lot of marketing. You know, Celebrities like Jennifer Garner, Samuel Jackson in commercials asking that question, what's in your wallet? Whereas right. Discover, you know, they have that more prime borrower. And what's great about prime borrowers for credit card companies, they tend to spend more and they tend to be more loyal. And on the opposite side of the coin, Barclays sounds like it's going to be spending less or at least cutting costs with this uh, major cost-cutting drive. And it's going to involve a pretty major restructuring as well. That's exactly right. So this is Barclays' first major strategy update since 2016, and it is a really big test for the CEO, C.S. Venkatakrishnan. And what is actually happening at Barclays is really this pressure to improve share price performance. So Barclays really has lagged a lot of peers, and the goal here really is to kind of bring expenses under control to return uh, capital to investors via share buybacks and dividends, and to simplify the bank in a lot of ways, to over overhaul its operations, reorganizing into five new divisions, UK retail bank, UK corporate bank, a private bank, and a wealth management arm, as well as an investment bank decision and a U- division, excuse me, and US consumer bank. So how could a restructuring like this get Barclays toward this goal that it's put out there of a 12% or more return on equity in the next two years? It's difficult. And I think a lot of this points back to that investment banking division, because that just soaks up so much capital that Barclays has, you know, at the expense of other parts of the business. Um, it, you know, what we're seeing at Barclays is a little bit of an increased focus on the retail business. So you saw um, in recent weeks that it announced it would acquire a lot of Tesco PLC's banking business. And that is a very high street bank here in the UK. And that seems to indicate an attempt to go into some of these uh, to these parts of banking that you know require less capital but could be potentially more lucrative. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed by 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.